Welcome to the Technory Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Katoon. Today's show is sponsored by Active Campaign. See why 65,000 businesses use Active Campaign for their marketing by signing up at activecampaign.com slash technory. Get your first two months for free. Today's show's guest, there's kind of a special little fun twist to this show, but you'll learn that in a moment. Today's guest, Griffin Caprio and Jen Dudley. They're co-founders of Dante32. Uh, Griffin is a lifelong entrepreneur. He's been uh, in big corp and out of big corp. and started. He dropped out of college to do this. He did say... For all of you students out there and the ones sitting in the room, uh, go back and get your degree. He went back and finished up. Uh, but he dropped out to start a company. His, his dad was an entrepreneur, so he had kind of been in it the whole time. I always find it fascinating when you see the, the people come in who are sort of lifers and then those that kind of fall into it. I feel like everything about my background suggests that I shouldn't be an entrepreneur and that I'm not an entrepreneur, but yet I found my way here anyway. And it's, it's sort of fascinating when you see the those who are like, oh, no, yeah, I knew what an entrepreneur was immediately, and that's what I am, what I did. Um, the show is started off, as you'll see, or here, I guess, um, with a little conversation about watches. Um, because if you are if you spend any time on social media, and let's assume that you like or have liked anything on the Wall Street Journal, or you're subject to clickbait, there is no doubt that you've seen an article flying around. It's been sponsored by WSJ uh, Wall Street Journal for it feels like a year now. Um, it's a picture of Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, and it is a an article about the sort of bro culture, watch culture of people who buy expensive watches and what it says about them. And I have always been this person who is judgmental. My wife would call it being judgy. I'm very I'm judgy as shit, is what she says. To be totally honest, um, and I am. And I always look at people's shoes and watches, and I, it tells me the soles of their shoes tell me a little bit about, you know, the hustler. Um, and the watch tells me not not just if it's like a fancy watch or, or a cheap watch. It's really not about the money. It's about the person and the kind of person buys a certain type of watch. Anyway, <clears throat> this article has gone viral, and one of the people who is in the article or cited in the article is Griffin, who's here on the show. So we start off talking about watches. We end up talking about watches, whatever. If you're a watch person, uh, you'll get a kick out of this. Aside from that, we nerded out on audio. Obviously, I host a podcast, so you can probably gather that I'm fairly into the audio conversation. But one of the things that has been challenging and sort of a, I don't know, interesting learning in life is when I first got into podcasts, I pitched this to everyone. And nobody was buying. And in fact, still, as I make calls for advertising in the show, nobody is buying. And they have built this business based more or less on digital advertising and marketing, but it's about audio. And I think that the future is very, very heavily audio. And we make a case during the show that there really is no other pathway left. Um, and it also is super rich. And there's so much that one can do with sound. Um, I can create an ambiance if I had a you know more talent, you'd, you'd appreciate it. I don't have that talent, so I, I don't bother. But like I could do things with my voice that would make the show tell more of a story than even the words coming out of my mouth. And that to me is really fascinating. Uh, and they've built an entire business on capitalizing on that richness. Uh, so if you listen to the show, which I highly recommend, you will find out, one, the two watches uh, that, that Griffin and I are wearing. Not to mention that the, the watches are brother and sister. They're from the same town in Germany. Uh, different, different mechanic, but still good. Um, and you learn what watches uh, Griffin is looking for next and sort of my sort of far into, into watches. And, of course, you learn a whole bunch about audio. So this is my conversation uh, with Griffin Caprio and Jen Dudley, the co-founders of Dante32. 
So I've been holding on to my surprise entrance with you, Griffin. Okay. Um, I'm going to start this off by saying that one of my favorite articles and topics on articles that I have talked about going back to the articles maybe like four years old, and you probably already know where I'm going with this, but it, the storyline goes back to like early 2000s after graduating uh, college and doing my first sort of business meetings, people's watches. Oh, okay. You know where I'm going with yeah. this. I love this article that's on Wall Street Journal. It's always recycled and put on their sponsored ads and things I know, like this. I know. I've been seeing it a lot. Yeah. It's been a lot lately. And I've read that. Sam sent it to me on Twitter. My wife sent it to me on Twitter. And I'm looking, I'm reading. I'm like, I know. I've read this article like nine times. And then I saw the name and the watch and the glass shoot. And I was like, my guy, yep. he's coming in here. I was like, we, Sam was like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, the, the guy that, you're, that is in the article is coming on the show. And he's like, the same guy. I was like, yeah, absolutely. So I have to start. What are we wearing today? Uh, I'm wearing a Glashoot Original nice. uh, Moonface. I believe that's so. the one you referenced in the- uh, Yep, that's one of the two. So I went Nomos today for you. I saw that, yeah. I went Nomos. I we're we're I, uh, on the German tip. We are on the, I, and I'm obsessed with like the storyline. Yeah. I'm totally obsessed. And uh, I had a conversation yesterday. We, were, we hosted a, black, or a, a Bulls game uh, yesterday with Bank of America as one of our sponsors. And we got into kind of a watch conversation, of course, because that it that you is like to. a thing that like dudes, I don't know, maybe girls do it too, but like dudes just immediately like, so what you wearing? It's like, what? What the hell <laughs> is going on? Um, and I'm forgetting that Aristotle was wearing a, I'm, you probably know these names better than me. Uh, is it Humble? Hum, Humble? Hublot. That, yeah. He was wearing the gorgeous watch. Yeah. And I was just sort of like struck by it because for whatever reason, you can tell when it's like just a big block watch or if it's like real and it's like high quality yeah and uh he starts getting he was like yeah you know i'm not a watch guy like i didn't have anything ever and then when we sold my company and i got this new company my co-founder who's got a lot of money was like you need a real watch like you, you can't <laughs> you can't do this and i don't know if that's probably the best sage advice for a guy who's just transitioning into first making money but nonetheless uh they all bought their watches and it just became this whole thing and so i wanted to kick this off with kind of a, a pickup if this is still a thing that you're observant to is looking at people's watches and the statement that it makes. Because I think uh, we can go to the glass shoot and the, the, the Nomos or Rolex or whatever. We can, we can go into why I think it's so unique mm -hmm. uh, and what it says about the person who would select that watch. Yeah. Uh, but I would love to know firsthand from the man who is, who is a part of the story. Yeah, no, I, I still, in fact, we were in the lobby uh, of the hotel next door and I mentioned to Jen that the guy on the TV was wearing a certain specific watch by a specific manufacturer and this is the retail price kind of roughly. Um, yeah, it's something that I do all the time on movies, on TV, in yep. real life. Like I'm always checking out people's wrists, men, women, doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, just to kind of seeing uh, what people are wearing. What do you think it says about? I mean, I think it was in the article, which we don't need to go into. But like, what specifically do you think? Because I, I look at the watch like I look at anything else. Mm -hmm. um, I get the aesthetic. I get like why a person would want to show off. But for me, and I, I think this is why you have this watch. It says more about the person, not about what them showing off, but what they what they get into. Sure, right. And so yeah. I was just curious, like, what do you when you see certain things? What is give me like the rundown? So we've got, if I wore a Rolex today, let's say I wore a Date Just versus a Nomos versus whatever. Like, what are you seeing in that person that you you're? It's okay to have a, a judgment. What what's the judgment? No, I, I I think it depends on the on the brand and what they're wearing. So even kind of going into. Um, you know, if you're a finance guy, you get a Rolex Submariner. Yeah, and that's then it's like a black sub. Um, and that's Patagonia kind of a, sweater, the whole thing. And that's it. Like, it's a standard outfit. Yeah. Um, I think where you can really start to see people's nuances is watches just like 
clothing can show uh, taste and intention. Yeah. And so if you see, um, there's a type of watch called a Panerai, which is a big chunky watch. Yep. It's a it's a 44 millimeter. It's it's on the bigger side. Um, if you see, for example, like a woman wearing a Panerai, you know that she like chose that intentionally. Yeah. It's not something that she just wandered into. And it was probably not a gift. And it was probably not a gift. Like yeah. she's like, I like this watch. This is, you know, something that I'm, I'm going to put a car after. on my wrist. Right. And you can see the same thing on, um, you know, different watches that different people chose, whether it's vintage, modern, um, the type of brands, whatever. I think most people get into watches and they have like a cycle with Rolex. First, they think yeah. it's the best watch ever. And then they decide it's overhyped. And then they come back to kind of the middle and saying like, well, it's great for what it is. And, and you could you could do a lot worse than buying that. Um, and then your tastes kind of expand out from there. I totally agree with you. I think there's there. I was thoughtless in it at first. Like my dad has a Rolex date just and it's just simple. He got it as his wedding thing, like, you know, 35 years ago or whatever it is. And I was like, oh, I really like that watch. It's understated and it's nice. And when I when I end up doing my kind of deal uh, for Technor, I was like, you know what, I'm going to buy myself this celebratory thing. The next step is weddings and kids. And like, this will be the last time I can just like throw money out the window. <laughs> and I don't think that I had any sort of specific, like, I wasn't looking like the behold the beauty, you know, it was just a cool, yeah. nice watch. Once you get into it and you start like nerding out, then you start looking at other stuff. And then you start looking at the actual mechanic and the caliber and you're like, oh, this is like a unique thing. Like, there's no battery. It's automatic. How does it work? Is it wind? It's handmade. And then that like leads me down the like nomos path. Mm-hmm. And you get to that and you're like, you start realizing that certain types of brands really do represent certain types of people Yep. in a like very clear way. <laughs> and it became a really fascinating thing. So now like you, I'm like wandering around head on a swivel and I used to do it for shoes. I used to have this theory that when we would do these big meetings for like board meetings, I would, I would like, like a creep, I'd be like looking underneath the desk, looking at people's shoes. And I had this working premise that basically if you were, if you had very expensive shoes, but the bottoms of the shoes were not worn off, you don't work very hard. And unless you just bought them today, in which case yeah. I apologize. But generally speaking, it tells me that you probably aren't like a hustler. You're not in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And the people that I would see who had very nice shoes and they were just beat to shit, I knew that that person was a grinder. And then there's people who don't have, you know, high quality shoes, but then it's, then there's other things that start to come into the mix on this. But I like, I saw that, then I read that article a couple of years later and I was like, oh my God, this is such a thing. I'm going to use this as a, as a parlay into entrepreneurship. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I had a, a unique circumstance the other day where I, I bopped into, um, <clears throat> I'll name him CD Peacock, uh, to get a present for my wife and cause I'm a lovely husband and, uh, the, the sales guy who I was trying to like escape, <clears throat> excuse me, was using every one of the tactics that we all probably laugh at, whether it's used car salesman or, or jewelry salesman. And it sort of dawned on me because uh, we're in the process of like working out some sales stuff on some of our own business lines. And I was like, holy cow, there's a real thing here. The process that jewelers have for selling is the exact same process that entrepreneurs who don't have anything use to sell. They say, can I see what you have? Mm-hmm. And then they tell you how beautiful it is. And they tell you how cool you could be. <laughs> you are. You're cool, but you're not as cool as you right. could be. Obviously. And immediately they look at it and they start giving you compliments, and it's a compliment sandwich. Mm-hmm. Great, great class. Great, You have great taste. And then they start looking for things that are like failures in it. And then it's like... Let me show you one other thing. And then immediately you're on this, like they spin it on you and then they congratulate you when you buy something. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I I felt like I was at 1871. (laughs) I'm like walking around, I was like all these people trying to sell me an app. And, and it just sort of has 
sort of been a thing that I've just sort of observed, like the, the meeting of things in life. And I bring this to you in this show because you have had a journey, as I met, you were mentioning in the, in the green room, uh, you've had a journey that is balanced between Big Co and New Co and your own thing. And you've been in the podcast realm since before it was cool. And so I would love to just get like your sort of experience on what it has been like in the last 10 years going from entrepreneurship, Big Co, New Co. And in that story, obviously, we'll, we'll get into Dante 32 and, and the whole nine yards of, of what that is. So I'd love to learn just sort of your viewpoint on entrepreneurship and, and where your life has been. Uh, yeah, so good question. I, I found myself kind of constantly pushing myself into areas that I'm uncomfortable in. Uh, which I think al aligns itself a lot with like entrepreneurship. And so um, starting off very early with uh, working for smaller companies, working for startups, um, bouncing back and forth between working for larger companies and, and helping existing startups and then starting my own thing. Some successes, some failures. Was this mostly in media? or, or No, actually nothing in media. My background is all software engineering and analytics okay. and product development. And so I've worked in um, logistics, e-commerce, fi finance, and fintech. This is the first kind of true media other than a little stint with um, the Sun-Times yeah. uh, to help them with some, some things. This is the first kind of true media and marketing uh, area that I've been in. Everything else has been very, uh, you know, kind of on the on the bones um, product and tech and very hardcore stuff yeah. like that. So were you were you at Sun-Times when uh, when the Tims were there? Yeah. OK, I was going to say, because we, we were working on this is like 2013. Yep. That's uh, roughly. Yeah, I was going to say, as I was working on a deal with. Uh, a group called Warbler that were sitting in the room with with the Tims trying to to push. It was basically, uh, it would have been hypothetically, it would have been all of the Suntime properties would have had their own app community. They'd yep. be on the app and you get advertised, and then it didn't work out. Yeah, so I was helping them. They had just acquired Chicago.com. Yep. Not too long uh, prior to that, and so um, working mostly with kind of Jim Jim Kirk, and yep. then uh, a little bit with Tim. Um, but mostly kind of like the Jim Kirk, the editorial side. Yeah, very cool. So, so I guess I think the, the thing that is interesting here is most of the entrepreneurs, we were actually talking about this before you guys showed up, of like what is the future? Like if you're going to go to college, like what, what are you majoring in? And it's like I'm uh, going to get a triple major, yeah. and I'm probably still not going to use that. Like <laughs> you're just going to cover all my right. bases and, and cover none. And I think like in your when, when did you start like your career career? Uh, I actually started in high school. My dad is an entrepreneur, and so I started helping his uh, companies yeah. when I was in grade school and high school, mostly with their computer stuff. Um, moving into college, I actually ended up dropping out, um, starting, you know, kind of doing my own thing then. And I actually went back to school to finish up. Uh, when well, this has been like 20s. early 2000s or when is yeah, this? Yeah, I graduated high school in 99. Okay, yeah, um, so you're like 2002, so, whatever. Yeah, ended up, I actually ended up at UIC with kind of a triple major type thing. Um, ended up going back when I was almost 30 to finish it up. Yep. Because um, at that point I'd been working for a long time. It's like that was a time frame where like if you were doing this, like if you went to grad school, I mean this was actually the case when I was in grad school, which was not that long. It was like 2010, 11, 12. And when I was not getting in line to go do the meetings with like PWC, they were like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I was like, I have no interest in this whatsoever. Like I'm going to start my own thing. They're like, oh, I get it unhirable yeah. yeah and we've seen you like in your time like that and which is not that much before that but like th this is like no good like yeah. they would not be be cool with the idea of like just gonna scatter i mean this was like square in the dot-com bubble like yeah. in the aftermath and everything so yeah it was all big company go to work for pwc or you know boston consulting or Accenture or something like that. So as you bounce through this, you start seeing, do you see like there's a meet, like is media something you're interested in or is it just something that ends up finding you? Cause the sun times obviously, and then you, you now are here. It's like, 
what was was there a, a general process passion or was it like an just new idea new idea new idea um no process i've always been interested in media because i think um the 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 business is certainly very valuable yeah. uh, to our communities, but I think it's been, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, it's been underappreciated just how uh, much work goes into kind of generating money. And so that old kind of Chinese wall that everyone was so proud of, like ended up manifesting itself in kind of like a sense of entitlement. Like yes. it was kind of like the money should just show up and we should be like, there, we should exist. There is both sides of this that I just had this conversation with someone who was kind of a big name in this building uh, for a minute. Um, that was like, I don't, I don't know how to really even explain it. It's like the, there's no respect given on the side that are not in media. There's a sort of like, well, you know, podcasts are cool. Right. So like we should mm -hmm. do movies in audio form and like, we're going to really lean into this cause we're smart. Uh, we're late, but we're smart. And, um, but you know, we don't need audio engineers. We, we, we have like sound engineers for movies and we're just going to use them. Right. Cause you know, 3d audio is not a problem. Like we will just figure it. We'll figure it out. There's no respect given whatsoever to the craft. And of course, afterward, it's a shit show. And then they go looking for people who know what they're doing. Right, but then they don't so. want to pay them then. And it's like, they're, we paid all this money for this other stuff. And so we're gonna, they pay more money on the marketing than they do on actually producing the quality content. And then on the other side of the coin, you've got the actual producers who are talented, who have this sort of like, it's all about the art. And they don't yeah. want to like, and I, I honestly think that, like un it's almost like the political world we're in right now where like the two sides just will not concede yeah. mm -hmm. is one of the biggest reasons and for me it's kind of favorable but in general it's not um why the media industries have had such trouble right i think is that they just don't want to get along and it's like yeah i mean it's like that with a lot of industries i mean take oh, software yeah. and technology yeah. like you have to I've always found it, uh, and one of the reasons my partner Jen and I got together is this idea of like being inter interdisciplinary and being in the in the middle of things. Mm -hmm. And so, like in a lot of industries, especially media, you've got art or you've got commerce. Yep. And like sitting at the ends of both either side is bad. You shouldn't exist kind of only in one or, or the other. You need to understand kind of like where your art fits into commerce and where commerce can benefit from art. Um, but you, you asked earlier about kind of like college and, and yeah. where people are going, you know, I always think that, I think the future in all honesty is arbitrage. It's information totally. arbitrage. It's, it's taking experience from one domain like finance and applying it to some other domain like logistics, which is why you see the startup like the it, totally people. I remember when we st first started getting into like with technology in particular, but it was like the startup bubble was like a word that was used sort of almost as a joke and homage to the, the dot com bubble is like, a, well, if I say it, maybe it won't happen. Right. Um, and the reality is like it's tech. It's not going anywhere. Like the, the investments might shit out like that could be a bubble. But the reality is. Everything now is about what I learned from one space that's applicable in another one and what operational efficiency did I gain here that is totally gainable here, but like no one sees it mm -hmm. and it's first to market. I'm going to swing the conversation over to Jen and we start getting into uh, the, sort of your business now. But I, I do want to say one of the things that you just brought up about how like in every industry there is a little bit of this, this like head crash. Mm -hmm. I think art in particular, you know, whether it's video audio i mean there's obviously a lot of different art but like for the purpose of this conversation audio i think the one big difference with media versus all of the other type of industries is media now because of social social media and everything else you can actually anyone can do it mm -hmm. anybody can do it whereas not anyone can code not anyone can create something not anyone can manufacture not anyone can do all the other industries 
you could argue some people could write, but they really can't. The, the media is one of those things where I can literally take my phone and record this thing and tell you it's great. And it's to the beholder. Yeah. And so the reality is like when you get into like quality production and actually like really high quality stuff, a, a true media performer artist is going to be like, no, 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 that sounds like shit. Like that's not good. It is not quality. It is not well scripted. It is not a million things. And the other group is just like, man, it's like the words. It's, they, they said the line. And that is the, the reason why I think it, like it, it's, you know, the artists are going to get upset when you pick on it and they know you're going to get upset when you try to sell it. And so like from right. the very beginning, you're already like know exactly how to piss the other one off. I think at the end of the day, uh, people are the same in all situations. Yes, and sadly. so, you know, all, all people problems and all the industries uh, or all problems come back to being people problems. And yes. it's uh, kind of that human interaction component. And I think it fits into what Griffin was saying about um, sort of the information arbitrage or the relationship arbitrage. And I, I think that's uh, like a core transferable skill is being able to understand and read people and what their motivations are. And so what you're talking about, that kind of difference between the, the media side and yep. the, the creative versus the sales side, which you see in a lot of different places, really is, you know, it's a, it's about identity and, and human dynamics, I think. Oh, totally. And so, like, this is a, a great segue, not just because, I mean, I don't, does anyone even listen to this show who actually works here? I don't think anyone does. So I'm just going to go ahead, right? right? You're sitting there, actually. No, she distracts no one. So I'll, <laughs> I'll just be real with it. I think that this station like Tribune was, is, like CBS, like everybody else here. And it's the same thing to be said in all the businesses that we, we talk to and meet, meet with. They have this same problem internally, which prohibits them from being able to actually build cool digital products mm. because there's, there's this like, we need to get legal to verify if this is okay first. And then we go into like branding, but we don't want you to stand out, but we want to promote your skills, but we don't want you to put your name on it. We don't want – it's got to be the brand, but not you. Wait, wait what right. did, did you post on Twitter? You can't post on Twitter. So I'm going to give you this content. You can't share it. You can't market it. What do you want me to do? Didn't right. perform. No clicks. Like <laughs> Shocking. What the – like what – it was impossible. There was never a way to work. And so when I see companies like you guys, I think it's really fascinating because there is – an. It's, it's almost like being a shrink. There is like yeah. a very fine line of being like, you know, we can all win here. Mm -hmm. I'll let you host it. We'll edit it. We'll make you sound great. We'll cover all the branded topics. We'll even give a shout out to all of your, you know, company partners and vendors. And we'll promote it for you so no one here has to worry about it. Like there's like this sort of coming together of everyone. So I'd love to learn like kind of the beginning origin of the company and then go into like actually like in practice. What is it like working with and name something, you know, I don't know if you have to name it, but like the sizes of companies you work with. Like what, sure. what is that like? Yeah, so... Uh, the company got started in the middle of 2018. Yep. Uh, Jen and I had just left uh, the, the company that we were both working at. I left a few months before she did. Um, and we both kind of aligned ourselves with this idea of, of doing something in the media space, particularly audio, because we both are passionate about media and want to see good companies succeed without just kind of trying the same things over and over again. And so we got our start um, knowing that we're going to be in the audio and the podcasting space, but not really sure what we're going to do. And it took a couple of months of uh, trial and error to kind of figure out the right mix of product and services um, to find something that people needed, that we could do, that they would pay for, right? And those are kind of the three components that any entrepreneur has to ask, them, ask themselves, you know, is this a business or not? Yep. Um, and so 
we we really started on that path. Uh, we tend to work more with businesses and brands on the um, uh, marketing, customer education, brand awareness side. Um, so some of our largest customers are like the National Restaurant Association is probably one of our largest. Um, we just finished their first podcast doing um, interviews with their fast casual uh, group inside. Yeah. Um, and so we got to meet the CEOs. Will this like, be internal facing stuff or external or both? It's all public. It's meant to be consumed internally. It's yeah. meant for their members and, yep. and their mem uh, membership, but it's not private. Although we are seeing a rise in private. Um, yeah, I was going to say this is like an inter intranet mm -hmm. uh, of podcasts. We've been t I've talked to a couple of businesses recently who have been like inquiring as to like, would it be more beneficial for our, I mean, even um, Irvine Company that runs like all the buildings that even the building we're in at 300 North LaSalle, they're working on trying to build a podcast that would actually be like, here's how you get your information. Mm -hmm. so it's like people want to listen on the go and it's right. sort of, there's something intimate, I think, about it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, interesting. So th this, so that's one of the clients you guys are working with. Yep. Um, and most, like, I guess I'm, I'm curious as to like what drew you in particular to audio because I have my own sort of instincts as to what that probably is. But I, we could nerd out all day on like where I think audio is going as like a, as a medium. But what, what, what drew you to podcast in particular? Uh, well, for me, uh, I think audio along with um, cannabis and cryptocurrency are going to be society changing paradigms yeah uh, over the next 10 or 15 years especially um, of all three right listening to a show while i'm getting high and i'm right. you know buying my subscribing via, right. via, yeah. via bitcoin, yeah. bitcoin. <laughs> um i think you know fundamentally there's a reason humans use audio before reading and writing yeah and it's traditionally been an underserved medium both for you know a little bit more on the consumption side with music and stuff like that but especially on the creation and interaction side yep. so we think i think personally audio is going to become um uh, a really critical part of our society uh in the next 10 or 15 years i think it starts with podcasts but i think it quickly moves into personal assistance autonomous vehicles people being more mobile audio is just be going to become a bigger and bigger component so. I was just talking to a guy about this who described, um, again, not podcast, but audio as a consumption device. Uh, his comparison was picture books. He's like, you know, we don't, as adults, you don't look like most of us don't thumb through picture books. Like you just read, you try to get as much as you can That's possibly. Right. There's no context. I mean, the best author in the world can provide some style that would make you feel like, oh, I know who this is. Um, I can feel compassion in the writing, but it's all printed in a book. And like, you don't really know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Audio even if it's someone just reading the book to you, mm -hmm. they can put little sound effects in the background. It's the tone of voice. It's the way you like cruise. Like you, it's you can feel it. Mm -hmm. And books, it's like I can just read and I master it. I consume it, but that's it. Like I'm all in on audiobooks. Like I, it's not just the fact that it's easier for me to do it. Like on the way home, I enjoy it to the point now where my imagination is so spoiled that I can't read a book. Like I can't sit down and just read it because it, it's just, it's not there mm -hmm. in my head the way audio is. And to your point about the, the cars and the autonomy, you know, we were working on a project with a company and I don't know, this is 2015 or 16. It was right before I acquired Technori. Um, it's called Rivet and they've switched nine times. They're just Rivet Smart Audio or whatever they're called now. But this was like before Alexa had come out and we were looking at these smart speakers and was like, this is going to be a thing. They're going to jam it down your throat by putting Alexas in all your houses. But really the, like the real trick here is, if we're busy, busy people, we're all running around and we're talking, we're tweeting and texting, we're in our phone, we're, we're looking for directions, it's talking to us, we're servicing our car, like whatever. I don't have time to like do this. Like I'm not, mm -hmm. I, I need to just hear it. 
Yeah. I think it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I think um, certainly on the like the home assistance piece, uh, but a lot of it is convenience and yeah. kind of meeting people where they at from where they are at from a lifestyle perspective, and where they have open space. And I think the other elements that you're talking about with voice really comes down to something that you're seeing more and more people feel like they're missing is a sense of connection. Yeah, and it's that bringing that human element into. Um, our everyday interactions and into our technology. And I think in a lot of ways, the, the popularity of podcasts specifically is a little counterintuitive yep. because it's long form audio. And But going short now, there's a lot of people doing like the five are. and nine minute ones. It's like, I mean, I, if it's done right, I like it. Right, right. Well, and I think, you know, and that gets into a whole other conversation about what exactly is a podcast and there yeah. are people you know we have specific opinions and that is where we get ourselves <laughs> into trouble because i just said it myself done right that's an right. assumption that i just made that like the rest of the room's like what's right like, right mine is right that's yeah right. yeah well and because at the end of the day you know it's it's digital audio and delivered over an rss feed like yep. is that your definition but but even the fact that that people are consuming a lot of long form audio uh which would be counterintuitive with this whole idea of like our attention spans uh, shrinking, et cetera, et cetera. And I think part of it is we're inundated with content and Im information, but people want to have a deeper connection and want to have a human element. And there's a way of delivering that via voice. Yeah. And I think, frankly, even more over a, uh, audio only than over video, because yeah, there's totally. no other distraction. You really, you know, it's like all of the, the what's now become kind of common tropes around podcasting is like it's you feel like you know them they're in your ears you're want, walking around with it's someone. in your headspace yeah and exactly. it's, it's it's funny like the i'm going to tee you both up i've got a question for each of you that i think are going to be unique in the space but unique to both of you um but the the thing that stands out to me is the timeline when i look at audio you know i've i've been in, into podcasts mark maron was my first like open into it so i, I was listening to the wtf podcast and i've modeled this show as best as i could kind of off of that and it just sort of got started there and it's whatever and I always felt like I got to know two people in a really unique way during a show and, and that's what I fell in love with. I think that's a, like you mentioned like I think that's what everyone falls in love with but that used to happen on the radio and then it happened on TV and then it happened in movies and it happens in miniseries and it happens in and everything else and it happens in books the the unique thing here is it got ruined on radio when they started pumping ads and it got ruined on TV when they started pumping ads and it got ruined on YouTube when they started pumping ads and it's going to get ruined in Netflix and Amazon when it gets ads pumping in. Audio podcasts still, the good ones still stick it to like one front and back, like live reading out. It'll be a matter of time before they jam ads into that and then it's yeah. like we'll be ADD out of that. Mm -hmm. But it still is, I think reading is really, and reading on the internet has been ruined by ads as well. I forgot to mention that. So really what there is is like, books and talking to one another right <laughs> like the, it's like we do all this stuff we go way out into the water and we come all the way right back because we just got like disgusted yeah. with everything and so I, I i think audio is the last like last yeah. leg like that's well that's, and audio for all of its uh kind of commonality yeah is a very high density oh medium, for sure right there's tone there's volume there's very rich it's a very rich in in a way that somebody just reading pages reading text on a, on a book, you, you can't convey the same amount of information, certainly in the same number of inputs. Yep. And, um, you know, I have two kids, uh, three and five, and, you know, they know how to control Alexa uh, right now. And, and we just got a, a Google Home to play with and, yep. and do some things. They were one minute to switch uh, Hey Google or Hey Alexa into Hey Google, and they suddenly knew how to use the Google Home. 
And when I think back to kind of like how I learned to use computers, mouse, keyboard, all that other kind of stuff, like they're skipping right over that. You so. are inside of my head. Because <laughs> here's the question that I have teed up for you. Okay. There is a conversation that is being held by a lot of those very high tech individuals and then those obviously in the audio space about audio UX, audio design. Totally. And you're like, what in the fuck is audio design? And the answer to that is, I don't know. What I know is like, to your point, you were talking about the keyboards. Yeah. And for me, it's an iPhone. If you, if I took an iPhone or I took an Android, whatever I hand to you, everyone in the room would know ballpark. They'd be able to figure out how to get the text. Audio, it's in your own head. Like where do you, how do you program something so that anyone can figure out what to do with that? Yeah. Where do you see things in the audio design, the audio UX going totally. to, to open the door so that this becomes a masses thing? Well, what's so, missing? Yeah, let me let me paint you a picture. So right now, um, whenever anybody has a question, they load up their phone and they go to Google. Yep. And they say, Google, what's the best restaurant? What's this? What's that? Okay. And that is a multi, multi-billion dollar business selling ads on top of those results. Okay. And stealing our data. Please. What's that? And stealing our data. And stealing their data. Imagine a world, though, where a significant percentage of those queries aren't being made in, on Google.com, but are being made to a device. Yep. Now suddenly you have not 10 blue links that are coming back, but you've got a single answer. Well, it's this. The big question is, well, what does that do for monetization for Google's yeah. business and all the auxiliary businesses like the Yelps and the TripAdvisors and, and all those other kind of, of search-based kind of uh, areas with traffic? What does that stimulate? What, does, what kind of behavior does that start to kind of like open up? And yeah. what areas for commerce does does you know, does that open up? How do you get to the top and how do you make sure the one that's given is right? Audio SEO, audio conversion, like all of these things that, that are taken for granted with the surface area that you have on, on your web browser are now suddenly going to be winnowed down to a single. And they're trying to cheat with like the portal. Like they've got the, like the little screen ones now, the show and portal and whatever else. Like, yeah, I mean, you can run a traditional ad in front of me. I I, I remember when I first saw that and I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And I was like, Honestly, it kind of annoys me because it, it feels like you're cheating. Like you, yep. instead of trying to solve the problem that you were trying to solve, you were like, "Oh, let's just uh, put this screen Stick in front screen of it." Yeah. yeah, that you're you're like it's. I find it so fascinating because it's the whoever answers that is going to be the next richest man in the world or woman in the world. Well, it, it's going to be one of the five. Well, like, yeah, because they don't. the The problem with the audio piece is that it needs ubiquity. Yep. Because it needs to be convenience. It needs to be everywhere. You need massive amounts of data to be able to synthesize and process yep. those results. Um, and then you need to be able to give the hardware for free, away for free to make money on the, on the services side. Maybe that's Apple HomePod's big, big return. That's their... I think that's what they want. But <laughs> I'm, they don't I'm have totally the, kidding. I don't yeah. see it. But it, it would be nice to be like, oh, that was like the ugly stepsister that was in the corner. And it's like, now nah, we are the one. Well, I mean, why do you think, uh, take Amazon, for example. Why do you think Amazon has bought Nest? Yeah. They bought Eero. Yep. They're buying devices that are going to be saturating your house. Yeah. They're going to, the next step is just to slide Alexa into that. And now suddenly your entire room becomes like a Amazon Go. A Amazon, yeah. A, a thing out of the Marvel movies where you're just in any room slightly. and you're talking to. Yeah, I was going to say, how, how, dystopian I was gonna say how terrible. That sounds very <laughs> terrible. Yep. Um, but so to that point, we've set the table for you, Jen. So here's the deal mm -hmm. I'm a company trying to figure out what I'm going to do to get ahead of people in my business. And it, it can it can be any company you want here. I think there are we always talk about this in the innovation space. There's sort of like the blue sky. There's the incremental, and then there's the acquired innovation. And in this particular instance, 
if I'm a company who's competing well within my market, let's assume that the market is a B2C just to make it simple. Um, what can I look for and do, particularly with you guys, but what can I look for and do to get ahead of the marketplace and be that person who is built for tomorrow and not someone who's just sort of sitting there relying on yesterday's click ads? Well, I think um, the biggest thing is to uh, create content um, that yes. is worth listening to. And that owning... deserves an asterisk. We'll get back. We'll circle back on that. <laughs> sure. One. On the worth listening to. Yeah. Oh, on all. Yeah. On just all the quality. Just like yeah. the attention to care. Absolutely. Um, and really, you know, you want to own that relationship. So you can, as you said, how do you get away from like relying on ads? So at the end of the day, you want to build a connection with whoever your target audience or consumer is. Yep. And so they need to know, be able to discover you, know who you are, and then frankly care about who you are and why they would want to buy from you. And yep. I think we're increasingly seeing that um, consumer behavior uh, is, there's kind of two ends of the spectrum. So maybe it's price sensitive and at that point, you know, um, that's a different game, you know, and you can, you can do a race to the bottom. Or they care about the company um, that they're buying from, whether it's services or products. So they want to know the story behind that. And that's hard to convey in any ad in any medium. So the alternative is to create your own content. You own the relationship. Um, you effectively become a bit of your own sort of media company. Um, but you have to have something worth saying yeah. and have a value and intention behind what you're doing as a business. And that's one of the things that I think can be done well in with a podcast as a kind of branded content. And it's certainly why we're why we are in the space. What would you guys do from like so we got we take that and we go, OK, so you're going to I think probably that you're going to have to work with them on like what is good content because sure, it's right. like the CEO's like everything's great. Our company's so wonderful. And right. it's like market yeah, leader. Yeah. No yeah, yeah. Yeah, world class. Yeah. Like, right. Oh, yeah. Industry leader. Uh, no one cares. Uh, so what are the like? You're going to have to help pick out the stories that are worth listening to. But then I want to package this and work. We have an existing marketing team. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, they're not probably that you know amazing, but they're, they're doing well enough. How do we integrate podcasts? How do we build a program around this podcast? And it could be an internal thing. I mean, it could be yeah. any number of things. What, what would you recommend people at least they don't have to follow, but like what do they need to look for to start getting a little bit more diverse in how they're building a digital presence? Yeah, so I would say uh, it starts with having a form of content strategy. Yeah, you know we we end up spending a lot of time with our clients on the strategy pieces and less on the audio side. And, and in fact, like the audio pieces are kind of like the last mile yep. of what ends up coming it out. Should all be painted by then. It's a more right. of a descriptor. Mm -hmm. Totally. You know, we we take our clients through even if it's just a simple sentence. You know, my content is where who comes to learn what so that they can what yep right and even just saying that and finding out why people should care why people should listen you know what why are they listening to you why should they buy from you as opposed to any other company and really walking them through that and asking the hard questions about um you know not just the marketing speak because nobody's going to listen to that um if you just sit there and interview that's your a tough sell by the way it is it really is hard is. to get in with these guys like the marketing speak is just no mas you know yes we we find that we we're, you're talking to humans, yeah. And like if you I can forget figure that. out, <laughs> yeah, if you can just figure best. out like what are you passionate about, like why are you here, what are you doing here, like what gets you excited in the morning, um, you can finally you can find some way to kind of channel that into uh, something that they're excited about and they want to talk about. Yeah, 
I, I think I, I I don't remember where I heard this, uh, but it was it's not the Simon Sinek one, but it's a, essentially uh, good stories start with why, not with I. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's one of the things that's in especially in entrepreneurial ventures is really difficult because they tend to be fairly egotistical and sort of centered around me. Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that is one of the challenges. I want to kind of end our show on on the conversation that we put the asterisks on, mm-hmm. which is this like quality content term, because I think that the term is semi-ubiquitous now. It's kind of like the same term as a qualified lead. What the hell does that even mean? Right. Qualified to whom? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the quality, the word quality used to be meant, I think, in the terms of like the production, literal production quality. Mm-hmm. Like, is this, yeah. you know, industrial, commercial quality? And now, you know, we've talked to a ton of people in the digital space who, who work like with Snapchat and TikTok. The, the best performing content out there is actually done on a phone or like grainy. In some cases, they actually use a really good camera and then make it grainy. That's yep. how <laughs> pathetic it is. Um, the quality is a, a question of the beholder. And I, I try to get into quality needs to be tied to something. It can't just be production quality. So is the quality, and it can vary based on who you are, but is the quality tied to how well you know your customer? Is the quality, like, did we hit did we hit the mark with something that mm-hmm. they cared about? Is the quality tied to whatever our delivery goals are? Like, are we, mes- are, is our messaging on point? What do you guys, like, what, how, what is the approach that you guys take um, for, for producing quality for customers? Because there's a real challenge there because the customers usually are very internalized and that's good for you, uh, but it's also bad for you in the sense that, like, you have to be very creative all the time. So how do you how do you assess quality content and, and sort of make it and maybe most importantly how do you sell it how do you sell it to your customers? Yeah. I think um, you know our approach in everything we do and certainly when we're talking to um, clients is uh, starting where they are and what's reasonable. It's really easy to get hung up on all the technical aspects of um, like the the uh, the equipment and yeah. the recording and the editing. Sometimes I feel like that's a crutch. Like sure. you you were like. We are so ready to go. Right. Like this studio is Yeah, lit. I know. I've got the right. mic. And then no and... one does it. <laughs> the right. show's terrible. Yeah. Well, because, again, I think it's um, those things in some ways are easier yeah. because oh, you sure. can find like a zillion guides. It's an instruction and can, guide. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it is in some ways, I guess, uh, whether intentional or not, can keep you from asking those harder questions about do I have something worth telling yeah. and would anyone want to listen and do I know well enough you know, that, that question of quality comes down to what is the goal of the podcast? Um, and that it's easy on one hand to skip over that, but it's, you know, we always draw people back to um, getting very clear on that. And it that is more important. Um, the, the technical pieces we can figure out. There's yeah. certainly a minimum bar like a, a bottom level that you have to have from Let's a quality not have a standpoint buzz in the background exactly the it has Dogs to be listenable yeah. for sure unless it's a pet show yeah, yeah right True. 3d um, audio and then because a little bit of um you know slightly less perfect again is a bit yeah. more real I agree and it's more approachable and if the story is there and the other piece is being able to be consistent and so we work with clients on you know setting up a Kind of um, most of our clients don't record in studios. They record in their offices and we, uh, you know, do the best that we can um, in setting them up from a recording standpoint and then handle a lot of it in post. But that allows them to, within the course of their day, build in that um, content creation from an audio standpoint. So just by definition, it's already more tied into yeah. their their regular business and has, um, it's like a, 
like you had said, you can you can um, add grain to to video to yeah. make it look more real, or you can just focus on the message and actually be authentic rather than trying to hit that sort of buzzword. It's funny. I think it's one of the hardest decisions when if you're going just strictly speaking about podcast or mm -hmm. audio. One of the hardest decisions that I is and maybe it's me thinking of selling it to someone or not, I'm not sure, but there's the like super produced kind of NPR style, this, mm -hmm. you know, this American life kind mm -hmm. of thing, um, where it's a very souped up and produced show and it tells a story and it's very expensive usually to write if you do it right the right way it's written. Um, and then there's those that just like pop behind a mic and just rattle. And most people think that they can just hop behind a mic and rattle and it's really difficult. It's hard. Sure. It's, very it's hard. really hard to do most of the time. And so like how do you how do you determine for a company what is the, the format that's going to best suit them? And obviously you're you're thinking of like what the purpose is and, yep. and who the audience is, but like at a certain point so, like unless you hire an audio person like that or you know the host or whatever, mm -hmm. it is going to be a little limited to like the capabilities of the person who's behind the mic. Yeah, and, and we look that we look at budget, we look at capabilities, we look at also like difficulty. Um, it, we'll have clients that'll come to us and they'll they'll be really focused on doing a weekly hour long show, and we'll we'll just ratchet them back a little bit. Yep. To to say, look, aim for something that you know you can commit to for six months. You know, like any good content play. Um, whether it's blogging, social media, video, audio, it doesn't matter. Consistency over the long run is is worth more than production value and all this other kind of stuff. And so, you know, to piggyback on what Jen said, um, I would also add that understanding and listening to your listener yeah. and listening to your user, listening to your customer and having them tell you, this is what I'm engaged with. You know, people come to us and ask, what's the optimal length for a podcast? And we tell them like, look, we've seen podcasts that are three hours long. We've seen podcasts that are five minutes long, and both of those can resonate with different audiences. Yeah. It's just a matter of understanding and meeting, you know, your people where they're at, and then not being too dogmatic around kind of like your baby, you know, to bring it full circle back to the entrepreneurial, you know, aspect. The um, this idea of like telling people why I'm awesome as opposed to asking them how I can help. Yeah, right. Like it's a huge difference in how uh, you totally. approach the market. Yeah. Um, podcasting is the same way. You know, people are listening to you because they want to learn something. They either want to be entertained, they want to learn something, they're trying to improve something. So make sure that you understand that and not just rattle on around kind of like, I'm so great and this is what I'm going to tell you. Everybody wants a good podcast. And that's, it's the funniest thing is, I don't know what, they, what the numbers are, but it was like, there's a podcast on, there's, there's one podcast episode for every human being on earth or something like that. Yeah. It's like, wow. That's and, a, that's you know, there's, there's about 700,000 podcasts in Apple Podcasts right now. But there's about 36 million blogs, yeah, and probably 10 times that many websites, yeah. I and guess so, perspective, yeah. And, and so, I mean, going back to like the 1950s, um, with three TV stations, we already at that point had enough content for a human to watch 24 hours a day, yeah. And nobody would look at around and say like we have too much good quality TV content or too many good quality movies. So I think it's a matter of don't worry about you know um, being ignored and and joining something or being too late focus on making something quality focus on on your metrics that you're trying to achieve no i so. totally agree and and to the point of uh length of show 45 minutes on the nose seems like the <laughs> right route uh this has been a lot of fun where do people go to learn about dante 32 and actually get to work with you guys and, and all that stuff yeah so the easiest would be our website uh just go to www.dante32.com that's three two the numbers um, you can also uh, reach out to us on LinkedIn or Twitter at the same uh, kind of addresses. We're happy to help answer any questions 
that you may have about podcasting in general or, or content in general. What's the next watch you're buying? Uh, I really want uh, Hermes actually has like a really nice dress watch that I don't know if I can justify wearing because it's a little, I don't dress up yeah, enough, but this it's a is dress for me. So yeah, this is dress for me, but Am I, I have to ask you one last question just because I was thinking about it uh, on the way in today. Do you have a hard, fast rule on not buying a watch with battery? I, 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 uh, yeah, I don't find it. Uh, it doesn't personally. do anything. It doesn't do it for me. I've got my, my oldest son has a, has a quartz watch with a battery in it. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's no soul in it. Uh, yeah, that's, that's right? really what there's what something to, so. about it. It's like that seems so stupid. And if you're watching or listening or like sitting here, you're like, what a bunch of like, who, yeah. who cares? It tells time. Like, so does my phone. There's something when you feel the the, the thing moving around in your wrist. It, it's like, I don't know, it's the third child or something. Yeah, I, don't know. I, I totally agree. Very cool. Thank you guys so much for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having Thank us, Scott. You. If you have questions you want me to take a stab at, DM me on Instagram at Technori or at Katoon. To apply to pitch on the Startup Showcase live on WGN Radio, go to Technori.com. Boom, that's a wrap.